Hey guys, welcome to an, a special simulcast of Enter the Nerd Zone with Jay and Pete and conversations with Jason and Pete as we talk the world of comic books. So with me on the phone now is my partner Jay from Enter the Nerd Zone. What's up? My partner Jason from conversations with Jason and Pete. I miss you guys. I miss you too. <laughs> and our resident wrestling comic book guru, Matt from Kirby Comic Store. How you doing, Matt? Great. Thank you for having me today. Oh, I'm glad you could join us. I'm glad we could do this. Um, I kind of like doing these things. I think it's great when you have, you know, you know, obviously when Jay and I talk and then when Jason and I talk, it's great conversation, but it's even better when we have, you know, more, you know, more people involved in the conversation, yeah. especially this topic. Um, yeah. This is something that Jason, Jay, and Matt and I have talked about um, either together or separately uh, in regards to the world of comic books and comic book stores and the way the industry is rolling. So um, I'll start it off with, uh, so to, I'll put it out the question to you guys. How long have you guys been uh, collecting comics and doing, going to comic book stores? So uh, start with Jay and then we'll work our way around. All right. I mean, I started... I'd say it probably started around the time I was about maybe seven years old. So that's about 77, 78. And my experience back then, uh, my comic book store was my local convenience store, which here in central New Jersey was Krausers, still is. Uh, <laughs> they had, yeah, they had a comic book rack. And really for me, it was, you know, which which one of the super friends or the super friends themselves, you know, who was on the rack, I would grab it. Uh, you know, didn't know writers, artists. I just, wow, Superman, Batman, the people I knew. Uh, that's really started it for me. From there, kind of got back into it in my junior high school days. Uh, local comic book store, which is still here, Main Street Comics in Milltown, New Jersey. And really, as the industry grew and got to the point that you had a comic book store in every big mall, and, you, you know, I, I, just, I just... It just really blossomed from there. So I started very young, and... Now, through my daughter, I, I kind of vicariously collect through her. Uh, that's really where I am today. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, that's kind of how I started, too. I'm not, like I said, I'm not as big of a collector as the, two, the three youths. So, the three youths. The, the two youths. Um, so, what about you, Jason? Well, uh, let's see. I was introduced to comics probably at around the same age, around seven or eight years old. Uh, my uncle would give me comic books just to read some old Tarzans and stuff like that. Uh, I grew up watching The Incredible Hawk with Lou Ferrigno and loved that. And that was, of course, one of my favorite characters. And I, I didn't really start collecting comics until 86, 1986 or 87. And it's just like Jay said, it was a local newsstand uh, just right here in my town. It's gone now, but they had this spinning comic rack, which eventually I did own the actual rack itself. But uh, I, I bought uh, the Flash 1, 2, and 3 on the same day, and that started my collecting. And after that, I just hit comic book stores wherever I could and did little small, like uh, York in York, Pennsylvania. They have a comic convention pretty much every year. And I, I went to one when it was at the Holiday Inn, 
and met like my first actual artist, Tom Lyle, and he did some signings for me and stuff like that. And it just snowballed from there until I, I took some time off and now I started collecting again. And thanks to uh, Matt that really has got my, my juices flowing for comics and I'm thanks. steamrolling through them now. So, <laughs> so let's go to Matt. Now, Matt, you own, yes. you own a comic book store. How long have yes. you actually owned the store for? Uh, I think we're going on 14 months now. Um, it's it's going quick. It doesn't feel like that long, but it is. Now, this is your first store. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah this is my first time. Um, in fact, my first time I've ever sold a comic book um, in my 40-year um, time of collecting comic books. I never really, you know, sold comic books uh, on a large scale. Occasionally, I would do a flea market here or there, but nothing, nothing to the level of a store. Now, where's your comic book uh, collecting start? Uh, it starts, ironically, the same year, uh, 1978, uh, with Star Wars number 13 that my dad uh, purchased me, and I still have. Uh, it's coverless. It's it's seen better days, but I still have that. And uh, that started me, like I said, on 40 years of, of reading and learning so much, uh, not just about science fiction, but about culture and popular culture. Um, it's It was a great learning tool to me, and it was... You know, it was entertainment as well. So it's, you know, it it was it would took books to a new level to me. Um, I had um, ADD, uh, which limited me as a kid uh, because it, nobody knew what it was back then. So reading for me was really hard. Reading a novel, uh, reading school books was really hard for me. It just lost my attention. But I could I could remember everything about a comic book. I could, you know, tell you from cover to cover what happened or all the characters. So I, I think comic books are a tremendous reading tool, learning tool, and it's great to see them um, in libraries and, and actually have teachers come in and purchase comic books to be taught in their classrooms, to me, is just outstanding. So we really come a long way. All right, good. So um, I guess, you know, kind of the things that we really talked about kind of individually was where is the industry going as far as the comic books you know, like you said, all three of you said that you went to the, the local comic book store and you got the comics there. Um, as an owner, Matt, have you seen what's the what's the industry looking like now? Um, it's unfortunately we're at a we're at a crossroads right now uh, with all of the digital uh, saturation with comic books being available digitally. Um, I think we're in the same area that the music industry was back in the 90s before everything was being downloaded and given away for free or stolen. And I think we really need to stand back and, and make some changes, some drastic changes uh, before, you know, it's too late. And then in a couple of decades, we possibly don't have it anymore or at a really uh, limited, um, you know, li very limited production um, I'd, I'd like to see some really big changes the next few years, but with a lot of comic book, you know, industry, it's it just it just never changes. It's some you know it's stagnation in a lot of ways. A lot of comic book companies don't like to change, or they don't view it as being productive. Um, you know, so they're afraid to make uh, big changes, or, or you know, afraid to take chances a lot of times. But that's what I think we need to do right now. We need to try some new some new ideas, some new creators, um, you know, we, we need to get young people uh, involved 
um, is that, you know, even in my store, I'm not seeing a lot of young people come in. And, you know, the parents are about my age, you know, they're in their 30s or 40s, and, and they're huge collectors, or they were, and they're trying to get their kids in on it, and the kids, most of them don't want anything to do with it, which yeah. was shocking to me, you know? It, it, I, I wasn't prepared. That was the one thing that I wasn't really prepared for owning a store in that seeing kids not interested in comic books. That, that just blew my mind. Now, Jay, um, you're, Jay you're, you're, your daughter is a yes. big comic book collector, right? Yeah, she is. Uh, when she was about, I'm going to say when she was about 14 years old, she came to me and she said, I want to start reading comic books. Where's a good place to start? And I took her to Main Street Comics. You know, I, I still live in the area. And I got her uh, the graphic novel Kingdom Come. Yes. And I said, this is a great place to start because yes. if you love this, you're going to love the world of comics. She absolutely loved it. And she's the type, you know, kind of kind of hate to go against what Matt is saying here. Yeah. Or maybe she's really the exception. She's yeah. the type that she doesn't like digital comics. Uh, she likes the comic book in her hands. She loves to go to the comic store when she went away to school. Uh, that was one of the first things she did is she took out Google Maps and she's like, where's the closest comic book store? Um, you know, once she once she kind of gets herself settled and into a groove, she would like to work at her local comic book store. Uh, her goal is she's studying writing at college. She wants to write for comic books. Awesome. Uh, she loves going to conventions. She loves meeting writers. And, you know, I guess... I hate to say it, I guess she is the exception, but a lot of her friends that she meets that are also into comics, they really do like going to their local comic book store, but, you know, kind of like Matt said, really outside of them, everybody else there is more in my age bracket, who used to collect back in our college days, and we want to keep going, so, yeah, it is kind of rare to see those kids, but, yeah, she, she's one of those exceptions. That's awesome. That's it's that's great to hear. It's we need we need more kids like that. We need more young people like that. That's that's the future of comic books. Yeah, I mean a a good thing is is uh, she goes to school in Boston, and we were at uh, over the summer. We went to uh, a comic book convention. It's called Flame Con. It's in New York City. It's been going on for about five. I think this year is going to be the sixth year. Now it's in LGBTQ comic-con basically so all the writers artists creators are lgbtq and my daughter is also you know lgbtq and she met some writers that she really loves but more importantly she made a connection there with a group of people known as uh boston comics roundtable they're writers artists creators comic book lovers they meet once a week in cambridge and uh, they actually self-publish some books, comics, things like that. So just like you kind of see tabletop gaming starting to make a resurgence with the college crowd, it's starting to look like comic books too. You know, they're also starting to make that comeback. Now, Jason, Jason you, you, know, you said you collected, then you stopped collecting. What kind of brought you back to collecting again? Yes. Yep. Uh, what brought me back was, <clears throat> it's not a fun story. <laughs> it's kind of a disappointing story, but 
I, I joined up to Instagram just just to to see what was out there and as people wise and stuff like that. And I kind of started watching and and learning from I call them new collectors that that's formed like comic book collector clubs and. It was really cool. It was I, I really like watching it, watching the new comics coming out, watching the the people that showed their old comics from their collection, and old is in like from the nineties, and because these these guys are in, younger than us, so I think they're like pretty much kids collecting. But it, they seem to have really nice collections, and it really got me excited. So I, I searched out a couple different comic stores that I used to frequent, and I noticed a couple were kind of in shambles and not really not really fun to go into. And there was a couple that were the more higher, higher end, higher priced places in other states that I would I travel through for work. So I would stop in there and just to see what was out there, what was on the shelves. And then I started meeting other new people on Instagram and I tried to join one of the clubs and worse came to worse and I didn't didn't join the club, but that's a good thing because I, I learned, learned a lot from what, what happened to me. And, and what I did learn, one, the best thing was that not to trust people out there that are out to make a buck. Just they're, they're not really collectors. They're I like to call them flippers, or they they buy th- they buy comics in bulk for their individual house. They get them, which I had to look up all these terms. They they would get their comics slabbed, which is graded, and get a zero through ten grade. The higher the grade, the more expensive they could sell the comics. And I learned that real quick watching them and their friends just buying and trading and selling and it kind of put me off of it but then i met a guy that wanted to buy a comic from me so i sold my first comic book last summer to a private individual i met in face to face and sold it and from there i was like you know what i'm, I'm going to sell some more so i did a little sale here at my house two weekends one weekend and then the two weeks later i did it again and i invited uh matt and i, I met matt through a one of his customers showed up at my house and he bought some comics and he said, you should really go to Matt's comic store. He gave me the address and I, I kind of knew it was there before, but I wasn't ready to, to make the plunge back into collecting until I walked back into Matt's store. And once I did and met Matt and he came out to the house and bought some comics from me, which I was really surprised that, <clears throat> be honest with you, Matt, I was surprised that you showed up. Glad I could surprise you. You, you you don't get that from store owners and people in the, the industry just showing up at somebody's house and wanting to buy their comics from them. Yeah. It's usually private sellers. And, and that that was a pleasant surprise, and it, and it snowballed into a nice nice friendship, not just a, a buyer-seller friendship, but actually a friendship. And yeah. I can we, I'd go into his store and talk to him, and him and I will talk for – we could talk for five hours if I if my wife would let me, but she usually sits in the car and keeps the horn. This is true. So. You can jabber on, <laughs> right? So, but but after that, I Matt's been great, and I've just been collecting ever since now. And it's been I don't know since last summer, so it's coming up on almost a almost a year that I've been actually back in actively collecting again, and it feels really good to be able to read stories from the new artists and some of the older ones and. It's 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 it got my excitement back and I I love that. So, but I, I was really disappointed in uh, in the uh, the the money making schemes of of the internet, which really disappointed. So in the in the comic book industry, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna put this uh, analogy out there. You guys tell me if I'm close. Uh, back in the day, uh, that's Jay's favorite saying. Um, <laughs> you know, you were collecting Marvel and DC or one or the other, right? 
Is that is that does that sound about right? There's only those two guys. Uh, uh, I oh sorry. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead Jay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that's where I started uh, with Marvel and DC. But then uh, as different kind of offshoots would come out, um, I got very interested in them. On one of the other podcasts I do, uh, Stuff You Don't Need to Know, I recently talked about Milestone Comics, which was distributed by DC. But, you know, it was it was by created by you know african-american writers artists creators uh you know i started getting into that when image came out i was very curious about it i did get into it i loved the big two growing up but i i had a hunger for comics that you know dark horse uh trying to think of some others really anything that came out that looked remotely interesting to me i would always give it a shot okay so comic books are like baseball cards i guess i was trying to go to you know you have the marvel and the dc and as we start seeing new more more and more different uh companies doing it are we is, is it um you know is the uh collecting now dropped because of, like i'll say this i used to collect baseball cards i collect tops donruss and fleer then they started bringing upper deck and this other things, and my my capability won, and my attention to, to collect all these different baseball cards has had me stop doing it. Is that something that's going on in this comic world now? And Matt, is that what, you can answer this? What's, what's happening right now is we're we're at a low point. Uh, we're, it's 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 a high and a low. Right now we're at a high point as far as public perception. And, and, you know, being a part of the entertainment, fueling the entertainment industry itself. But as far as the physical comic books, we're at, a, we're at like the lowest print runs in comic book history. And as an example to that, Batman, for the first time in 80 years, uh, was printed under uh, 100,000. So that's, hmm. a, that's, that's wow. definitely a problem when, when we have that. Now, that's, what's the, you know, that's uh, what's the that, normal one? What's the normal number? Oh, uh, well, I mean, a, a good number, you know, like like uh, you got Detective One Thousand coming out, and that's probably going to do like a million, you know. So, a, a good number is a million, you know. A big book does, you know, something like that. Probably Action Comics One Thousand did that. Um, that was like the number one selling book last year. Um, and one of the interesting things I'd like to see change that that involves that is the price jump, and it's amazing to see. I mean, three a three ninety nine book is too much for people uh, when it comes out twice a month, or there's like six different X Men titles a month. But people will spend nine ninety nine on a, a really thick, like an eighty size, eighty page, uh, giant size book anniversary book. Um, I sell out of those every time, so people are okay when it comes to quality, you know. And, I, and that's what I think we need to do. We need to go to quality and not quantity. Um, you know, less titles per month, one title per month, but have it, you know, have it be a, a nine ninety nine book, have it be almost like a graphic novel. And uh, I, I tell people, you know, the number one example I have for this is Ed Peisker's X-Men Grand Design. Um, it's been one of my number one selling titles since I've been open. And he's a visionary. What, what he's doing is he's he's showing X-Men's uh, histories, getting people interested that, that don't know about x-men's history back to the 60s and he's cramming a hundred issues of x-men history 
into two five ninety nine books, and mm-hmm. it's amazing what he does. It's a people everybody people that have never read superhero comics. I show this to them and they love it. They come back and they want more. So I, I think we need to follow his example and and you know we need to combat these low print runs with more quality. I think. Now, Jay, as a, hey, hey, Matt. As, oh, sorry, yeah, Jason, you go first. No, hey, uh, I just want to say, like, right in the very beginning, what you were just saying about getting more involved with, like, the, <clears throat> the readers and by entertainment. Yeah. How much do you think that entertainment is actually helping? And in retrospect, uh, not retrospect, whatever, yeah, in the opposite way, hurting the industry by putting out so many of these DC, Marvel movies plus uh just flooding the the tv with netflix shows and hulu shows and things of that sort yeah it's it, and and it's surprising not you know to everyone else and it's surprising to me when when a movie comes out say like aquaman you know it would broke you know records you know bad everybody going to see it. not just comic fans everybody going to see it but i'm only selling like a handful of, of aquaman comic books in my store it hasn't it hasn't changed so that 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 just shows you know just because a movie is really good and a lot of people go to it doesn't mean they're going to start you know running into the store and buying more comics right um, it's the yeah. same core people it's the same and i think marvel and dc they have the right ideas they're trying to get that market they're trying to get everybody that watches the shows and the movies into the comic books themselves but i don't think it's working i think it's doing the opposite and like i right. said i I think we need to to go with diversity, with larger sizes, with different ideas, with different creators, uh, because this thing just trying to get everybody that goes to the movies and watches TV to just jump ship over to the comics, I don't think it's working. You know, I mean, I know as far as the Netflix titles, that was a shock to me when I opened. I ordered heavily on all the Netflix characters, Daredevil, uh, Punisher, um, Luke Cage, you know, Defenders, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. I was not selling any of them. Besides, like, Punisher, you know, none of those titles were selling at all. But but meanwhile, everybody would come in and rave about the shows, how great the shows were. So that, that, that shows you right there. You know, it's not always what shows are popular and how many people are watching those shows. Right. So they, it's yeah. almost like they don't want to, like, double pay for watching a show and then going to the comic and be disappointed at what they think the character should be from the show. And they see the comic and be like, this is not what the show is about. Right. It's just, (laughs) it's almost oversaturation. It's like too much of a good thing, which it's funny because it's the exact opposite of when, you know, when we were kids, you know, I told younger people, they can't understand. Like we had, you know, Lou Ferrigno, incredible Hulk on TV. Um, You know, we had a couple other shows, you know, like wonder woman reruns and this and that, but, for the most Spider-Man. part, Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. Yeah. How about the other Adam West Batman? Spider-Man? Don't forget the Adam West Batman. Batman. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, Adam oh, West yeah. Batman. Yeah. Batman. Oh, yeah. That was my well, first Batman. Yeah, Adam West. Yeah. He's the only Matt, Batman. Oh. Matt, let me ask you. Like, yes. my daughter, the way, the way my daughter likes to collect is she has some core characters that she loves to read, mostly DC stuff, but she really goes by, and I, I guess maybe because. She, she herself is a writer she goes by writers because there will be times if um batman switches writers like when james tinney in the fourth left his incredible i think he did a two-year run which she just ate up oh yeah i don't know who took over for him she put that title down for a while and she will do that like she will follow 
the writer, she will follow quality. Yes. She picked she picked up a Dazzler one shot because one of her favorite writers of all time, Magdalene Visaggio, did a Dazzler one shot, and she's yes. like, "Dad, you got to read this." And I'm like, "I was never really into Dazzler." Yes. But I read it, and it was incredible. Like, do you see oh, yeah. kids? Like, h- how do they like to collect? That, not just kids, but all collectors. I think all collectors go not just by characters, but but by artists or by writers. And that's the problem in that they're trying to put out so much by the, those same artists and creators that they get burnt out and, and they can, they have to come to a stop. They have to take a break. And that's when people lose it. That's when people just stop collecting the title altogether, like you said. So yeah. I'm thinking like, you know, Marvel and DC, we need to, you know, we need to slow everything down. You know, we need to give writers and artists a chance to take a breather and to, to get that quality product in. Like you said, like people love certain, you know, writers and artists. So let's, you know, there's, there's no reason we can't have a writer and artist team go for years, you know. But if we do two Batman, two Batman titles a month and two detective titles a month, there's no way you can keep the same team on that. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. So, yeah, it's oversaturation of that again. So let me ask you this. You know, obviously, for me, I'm a novice comic book reader. I've always have been. Uh, one of the things that deters me is obviously the price now. Um, right. But so do the writers, because, you know, I go into a store, if I'm a novice, I see the movie Aquaman. Oh, let me try check out the comic book. Um, do you think that maybe the writers themselves are not being promoted more than the character? Is there a way for those? Because it sounds like, you know, like Jay, Jay's daughter, she's focused on the writers. It may not right. be, she may not like she read Batman one day, but not Batman the other because of the writers or the artists. They're not, I mean, yes, they're well known in the circle of trust, so to speak. I have my uh, air quotes up there. But how do they yeah. get them out and up front so that people will see who they are and maybe that might help push sales? Well, um, my idea is to follow Dark Horse Comics. They Dark Horse Comics. A lot, a lot of people don't see them. They fly under the radar, but they've been around for 30 years now, so they're doing something right. And what I love with them that, that I think they created, in my opinion, I may be wrong about that, but I think they created this idea. They take all of their major characters and they, they don't put them in long numbering uh, uh, titles that go on forever and that people don't want to start because they want to start at number one. They do four-issue uh, series that, are na- that have a completely different name every time and sometimes even have totally different creative teams. And I think if we went towards this, I think we would bring in a lot of new people. I think we would really get, because that's the number one thing I hear when people come in. They don't want to start a book unless they can read number one first, which is yeah. why these companies are doing so many relaunches. And, and everybody, every time we hear we, you know, about Marvel and DC doing a relaunch, we groan. But the, the proof is with number ones, they always sell higher than, than any other titles. So you have to look at it from a business standpoint and, and from a jumping on standpoint. So, like I said, I think if we did like like four issue little mini series instead of these long titles or legacy numbering, that's, at, you know, 700, 800 now. I, I think we should do, little, you know, little mini series. And I think we wouldn't burn everybody out so quickly. Yeah, I mean, my, one of my daughter's favorite series uh, came from DC's young what is it? Young animals. Um, yes. Print. Yes. Uh, yes. She loved eternity girl, which was six issues. And yep. 
it was she loved it again magdalene visaggio wrote that yes. uh who she actually got to meet at flame con and when she met her she was crying in front of her oh. because well because magdalene visaggio is yeah. uh, a trans female my daughter okay. is a trans female okay um you know she was very warm and receptive and my daughter was just crying and and blubbering and you know and magdalene was telling her she's like She's like, I'm just a person. And my daughter is like, no, you're not. You yep. know, I, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I didn't think I could do it because I'm transgender, but you're doing it. So I know I could do it. But she wrote Eternity Girl, six issues, done. My daughter loved it, but wasn't like, uh, I want the scene to go on for 100, 200 issues. She was like, right. it was a great story. Now let's see what she can do next with what other titles that she gets put on or whatever creations that she does have. So right. maybe that is the way to go. Right. I, I'll tell you one thing that I have to say about comics today is the diversity. Like, like you're saying with the, with the transgender and the, the different, you know, ethnicity. I mean, I've never seen it. It's that's, a, that's the most beautiful thing with comics right now is that there is a comic book for everybody right now. I don't care who you are. There is a comic book that will appeal to you if you give it a chance. I mean, we have, you know, art with so many female artists and writers now. Whereas before, I mean, there were hardly any. Like, you didn't see any. I met the, uh, Ramona Freyden, uh, who created Metamorpho in the 60s and, and you know, was new Kirby and everyone. And even she said, she goes, I don't know why people are coming up to me and want, you know, want pictures and, and, and want my signature and want me to do artwork. You know, I was never... She didn't see her value because back then they, you know, not just women, but none of the artists were valued. You know, they were all treated like that. But I think now things have changed so much. That's what I said about the progression and the positive change that comic books need to make is that, you know, we have so many different types of people, not just like superhero stories, but we have so many different like types of stories. And Image is a really good example. Right now, Image is my favorite company when it comes to quality. They they put out so many different stories and and just genres that you know, like I said, somebody could anybody could find something interesting going on with Image, and uh, they, they don't use any you know long titles or, or you know titles that go on from the hundreds. They do little short arcs, and they and they take long breaks too. Right now, Saga, which is one of their best titles is taking a year off so Brian K. Vaughn can work on the television show, I believe, with sci-fi. And yeah. that's great. You know, it's like all the fans, all the fans want, you know, they're, they're, they're upset, but understandably, you know, they, they love the product. But they all understand that it's for the best because when we get a TV show about this, it's going to be even better, you know, because we'll get to see it and, you know, we'll get more people involved in on it. So, yeah, it's, I, I think comic books, that, that's definitely one of the biggest positives right now. Well, it, I want to jump in there real quick and yeah. bring up one of the more current ones that actually just hit Netflix and a new run of Hotel Oblivion by uh, Umbrella Academy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which yes. it started out in like 2007, 2008 with two short Dark Horse miniseries, six, issue, six issues each. Yeah. And that brought in fans from Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance and the artist that he was working with and probably one of his really good friends, Gab was it Gabrielle Ba? I think yeah. his name is, and yeah. that look at that. It was two two miniseries within yeah. two years of each other, six issues. They take 11, 12 years off. They're doing another miniseries, and it hits Netflix right around the same time the miniseries starts. 
Yes. I think it's only like four issues in right now for Hotel Oblivion. And it. my wife was a huge and still is a huge My Chemical Romance fan. And she had me buy back then all the, the, the entire two miniseries because we went to his concerts. We went to like two of his concerts and she really liked his music and stuff like that. And she's like, he has a comic book coming out. And I was like, okay, well, let me look at it. So I got her all the issues that I possibly could. And look at now, 12 years later, they have a TV show. He's back in the limelight of doing the, the, the TV show and the new miniseries. So it's really bringing even the music industry into it with them. And he actually went to school for, I think it was for, for art, but he has somebody else doing the artwork for him, but he's doing the writing. So it's yeah. really interesting to see even that, that how they're even transgressing even the two different genres, music and comics, which isn't that, isn't that strange anyway, because it's been all through like the sixties and seventies anyway, with music and comics. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually, I was gonna say, it's actually funny that you say that because uh, a couple of weeks ago, my daughter came up to me and she said, you know, I think I have an idea for a comic, you know, and this is going to sound really weird, but I've been listening a lot to The Cure lately, and a couple of their songs really <laughs> touched me. I think I'm going to write something based off of that. And she's kind of saying it like it's original, and I was like, well, James <laughs> did that with The Crow and this and that. I mean, it's great. It's good. But, right. you know, our generation did it first. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. There's a... There's a, a trade, or it was a four-issue series that Dynamite put out called Skin and Earth by this artist, Lights. And she's a musician, um, you know, and, and she actually put out in her trade, uh, you can digitally download music that she made just for this graphic novel. As wow. you read it, wow. you, you listen to the songs. That is groundbreaking. They, like, that's, yeah, that, yeah. that's amazing. That's a that's a great idea. It's a great concept, and it's coming from somebody who's also you know a musician. You know, she's she's touring, she's doing you know all these all these other things, and she has time to do her own comic. That that's amazing. I knew, I, I knew even like like uh, the band Kiss. They put out their own comic. They put their uh, blood in it. They put their own put blood, their blood in it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, I have a few like from Alice Cooper. Uh, one uh, I think it was a Lady Death that did uh, one of the, her issues had. Uh, I think it was a Megadeth CD single that was only came out with the comic in like in a sealed pack, oh, and I have that one. And it's just it's just a, I never opened it, but I just bought it because I liked that comic. I was collecting it at the time, and I was like, well, I'm not going to open it to listen to CD. I don't really care for Megadeth, but hey, it's it's a nice gimmick for the time. But it's maybe shows that it's for everybody. Like right. if you're listening to the music, read this comic, right. you'll like it. There's a definite crossover appeal of, of music and comic books. I mean, and again, it's just, it just goes by diversity. It's like not all music is for everybody, just like comics. Right. You've got to find a the, special uh, book. Yeah. The, you know. I, I on my Instagram page, I just put out a uh, a picture of a record from 1969 done by the Traits, and it's a yes. song. It's a single called "Nobody Loves the Hawk," and I have the original LP for it. It's a 45, and one of my friends who is a uh, garage band, 1960s garage band guru. Do you have that on 8-track too? Had all these, what's that? Do you have an 8-track as well? He might. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he strictly does vinyl. And it's and his collection of vinyl from 1969 in the 60s is, is amazing. Going into his basement, it's like walking into somebody's comic book collection going, I can't believe these exist. I, I've never seen one in real life. And But even he bought it for me and said, hey, check this out. And when I went to two, when I went to uh, San Diego Comic Con in 2012, I made my homemade T-shirt and had the album cover and the lyrics on it, and 
people were looked at it and they're like, hey, what's that? And I, I had to explain it to them. And they're like, really? You have to look that up. And just trying to get the popularity built up for the music and the, the comic and, and everything. It just it really didn't happen because I'm a nobody just standing there with a T-shirt oh. on out of billions. But <laughs> but at least you people can't. saw it. So Yeah. So let me, was... let me uh, let's go back to the comic book store, per se. And yes. I'm at, I know you own you obviously you own a comic book store. Jay, you go to Main Street Comics. Um, yeah. Now, I, you know, again, I'm used to like Matt's store is strictly comics. Yeah, he has some of the, like the the you know some of the doll things, action figures that are there. But you're strictly comic book. Um, you see now the the change with all the gaming that's in in the store. Is that a way that these comic book owners, comic book store owners, are trying to attract the the younger crowd? Because I, Jay, I know you do. Uh, your show Defender of the Realm, and you talk about a lot of role-playing games. Is that is that helped? Do you think, or is it hurt? In my opinion, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a gamer. I have a lot of friends who, who do gaming. I understand the money involved. And I understand how how much you know the social aspect of it, how much fun it is. But I believe it's my belief that gaming hurts comic book stores in the long run, in that they become just gaming, just big gaming centers. And nobody's going there for comic books anymore. They're just going there to, to game. They go in the back and they game. And that's fine, but I think we need to have two separate stores for that. Um, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of different people, and a lot of people, you know, they go to other states that have separate st separate gaming stores, and I'm all for that. I, I don't think it's healthy. I've watched it. I watched gaming creep in in the 90s, and a lot of people point to uh, the first recession that comic books had in the mid-90s where everybody left and all these stores went under, and they blame Death of Superman storyline, but I don't. I blame gaming coming into all the comic stores, because that's right around the time when gaming started taking a foothold in all of them. So, yeah, I, I don't see it as a healthy thing, being inside the comic stores themselves. And to my knowledge, I am the only store, uh, you know, in, in my area anyway, that doesn't do gaming. Does Main Street have gaming, Jay? No, they don't have gaming. You know, it's pretty much, you know, I've never been to Matt's store, but Main Street pretty much sounds just like Matt's store. Uh, it's strictly comics, uh, graphic novels, trades. Uh, they do sell pops, but I think everybody sells pops nowadays. Um, but that's really it. And I have to agree that, you know, they're, they're really two separate things. Like when I put out an episode of Defender and I get a lot of feedback on Instagram and things like that, these the, the people I really communicate with are really straight up gamers. If yeah. I mention comics or anything, maybe there's some interest there, but they really are kind of two different worlds. And I think a gaming store is going to attract one type of crowd and is, is one type of social gathering. And a comic store is something separate. And yeah, you know, I, I think when these big comic stores, especially like I said, I remember in the early 90s, just about every major mall in the central Jersey area had a comic book store in it. And then they just started throwing everything in there. You, you would yep. see Dungeons and Dragons, magic. Everything was just getting in there. And exactly that. And on top of the fact that everybody thought they could put out a comic. I mean, you started seeing, you know, all these different comic universes. Like there was just an explosion. There was such an oversaturation and I think, yeah, just just trying to mix all this stuff together, it really wasn't the right idea, you know. Do right. gaming at a gaming store, 
get your comics at your comic book store. And and one more one more thing, I think you, you said something important when you said the social aspect of gaming. That's what I think is is lacking in a lot of comic stores today. That the social aspect is just the gaming that goes on. And the one of the, the main things that I try to, to to incorporate into my store is the social aspect in that we can have a place where comic book nerds all socialize and meet new people and read new books and talk to each other. That's what's really missing in comic book stores. That's why gaming, I think, took over, you know, the interest of a lot of comic book fans in that there's very little social aspect in reading a comic book, you know, in a solitary environment. You know, that, that's why everybody goes to conventions, you know, to see everybody dressed up and, and to talk to people. Like, back in the day, you just went home and read a comic book, you know, yeah. the, the, you know what I mean? You're like you didn't go to a comic store to have a, you know a lively conversation about where comic books are headed. You bring up a good point, which Matt. is sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. My question. What I was to say was, I'm uh, sorry, Jay. Is no, Did the comic book conventions kill hurting the comic book stores as well? Because no, not- I, I I don't think so. Um, no, I, I mean, don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah, Jay. I, well, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, Diana loves going to comic book conventions. Um, First of all, to meet writers and artists, uh, and she also loves to go around to the different booths, and she loves looking for old comics, Golden Age, Silver Age. Um, you know, ever since we started watching Riverdale on CW, she's been getting into Archie comics, so she will grab Archie comics from the fifties and sixties. Uh, now Archie's making a resurgence. One of her favorite writers, Mark Wade. Uh, has been putting out a lot of Archie stuff lately. So I think it really helps it out because it it really keeps her interest going. Uh, One of the things I love about it, she likes about it too, is she meets well-known writers and artists. She gets to talk to them. uh, But she also meets, because a lot of like people that are just trying to put out stuff independently are there. Um, And I'm going to shoot myself because I cannot remember her name. But at uh, Garden State Comic Con, I met the writer. She's everything. Writer, artist, creator of Hench Girl. And, you know, I was talking with her about it. I was like, oh, did you write this? She's like, I wrote it. I drew it. I, you know, I did everything. I was like, Diana, get over here. Talk to this woman. You know, she's she's kind of living your dream here. And I think it keeps her interest in getting into the industry and just really enjoying comics. So I think it's a nice add-on. Oh yeah, definitely. I think the only, the only negative that I could say, um, a couple little negatives, you know, again, you have to, you have to balance both with every positive. There's a negative. Um, I, one negative is that around the time of the conventions, at least at my store, that's my worst business for about a month. That's when everybody has to save up their money to go to this and so they just stop coming in for a month. And so I think that's, I think overall that's hurting the, you know, the, the local stores, um, you know, in, in the, in the country is that everybody, you know, is going to some kind of convention at some time. Sometimes they go to multiple conventions and they, and of course they have to save up a lot of money to do that. And wh- where are they going to save up the money from? Well, not going to their local comic book store, and picking up the comics that they normally get. So I think that aspect of it hurts, but I, I don't. I don't know how you fix that. Yeah. You know. So Jason and I went to Gettysburg, the Gettysburg Comic Con, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, was a disaster. But Jason, I mean, you saw <laughs> one one comic book collector. Now we know that they were running it, 
Um, and, you know, the Steel City Con and those things, you're seeing less and less comic book guys and more, um, uh, you know, uh, chotchkeys and stuff yeah, like that. So, yeah. I mean, Jay, your, Jason, your experience with Gettysburg, am I, am I right on there? You're right on. I mean, I mean, it was, for the first year for the, that little Gettysburg convention, which I really appreciated that they did because it really brought it to like a, they took it at the, the convention was at the college at Gettysburg College, which I really liked that idea because it brought in the college students. Hopefully it did. If it didn't, then maybe I'm wrong, but at least it put it there in their face and they knew it was there. And it was a local place. It wasn't a big city, which could bring in all the little local collectors that wanted to come in from the area. But the biggest problem I saw, and I know Matt would agree with this, and everybody else in the entire world would agree with this, is the person putting it on did not allow other industry people, that like store owners or collectors, to sell their comics. Well, he was the, the sole of seller of comics. Everything else was uh, trinkets, artists, a couple signers and artists, a couple writers... But it was just like like Pete was just saying, like little Chotsky's things and just things that people really didn't weren't interested in. There was no line for anybody to get signatures on. And there was a couple there was a couple guys there that actually did some some nice comics. And I actually walked walked over and got a couple signed and was very happy about it. But there was no line, and it was it didn't really bring the people in. And I think because they were the only ones selling comic books and not letting anybody else in, it was kind of a a letdown for that. And it was just it was kind of a sad, sad situation. But hopefully that that is a stepping stone for maybe next year where they actually will allow. Hopefully they will allow other stores or just independent collectors that sell their comics at like yard sales and, and flea markets to buy or rent tables there and to be able to sell their stuff and get more people in that want to buy one dollar, two dollar, three dollar books and not the bigger books that they were selling at the store. I mean. It, it just really hurt that. It really hurt that convention. Hey, Matt, let me ask you this. You know, Jason and Jay both talked about you know the local artists and writers that have their own comic books. Have you have you purchased or or do you have any like of those type of writers in? Is it something that you would like try to invite a, a you know one of these upstart comic books to the to the to the uh, to the store to like you know kind of drum up more business? I would love to do that, but. To my knowledge, I, like, nobody makes it known to me if they are, but I know of a lot of local um, artists in the York area, but they all either do work for Marvel or like like Tim Truman, who did the Scout in the 80s, you know, great veteran. Uh, he teaches art in Lancaster. Uh, these guys are doing it full time, you know, and they don't I, honestly I don't want to. I don't want to cut into their schedule. Um, if they if they ever want to come in the store, they're more than welcome. I would love to have them. I would love to have any any artist um, in the store. And I I always encourage you know even my customers uh, to to do art. I give them sketch covers and they they br they bring them back to me and I you know I'll frame some of them on the wall and I'll get original artwork in. So yeah, I I understand I understand the whole you know the whole concept of the indie thing, but I'm not seeing it you know at least. At least, you know, me personally. Um, but it's out there, and I would love to, to be a part of it. I could do color by numbers and put it on your wall if you want. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have kids. I have kids that do stuff. It's, it's really, it's it's cute to see. It's it's nice to see everybody, you know, give me their interpretation or just thanks. You know, for my year anniversary, I had some kids uh, do a little, you know, celebration piece, which was nice. 
So, yeah, I, I love any artwork, any artwork from anybody, not just professional. Um, you know, any artwork is great to me. So do you have any in, uh, indie uh, comic books in your store? I mean, I guess that's, quote, unquote, not, I guess, within, like, the East Coast. Nothing like like Marvel DC, obviously, we know. Right. No, not underground. Um, you know, right now, I mean, there's a lot of, like, zines and underground books in uh, New York, I know. Um, so whenever I go to uh, uh, Forbidden Planet uh, there in New York, uh, there's tons of zines, underground, self-published stuff, and they do some crazy stuff. It's amazing what some of these zines do, and I would love to, I would love to see some of that um, here, but you just don't see any of that around here. Um, you, you know, you'll see like a, a Henry Loves Glenn thing occasionally, um, but... As far as like stuff that you know that we sell and that we're we, we're given access to sell, uh, Diamond doesn't really give us um, a lot um, to choose from. Now, Matt, Matt, do you have any leeway in, say, if somebody, an independent artist or writer, came in and said, or a team came in and said, "Hey, uh, we have this comic. We have five hundred copies of it. How much is your leeway of saying, okay, give me, let me purchase, say?" A hundred copies or fifty copies, and then put it on the shelf and see how it does, and let you know how it does, just to get that. What Diamond wouldn't frown upon that if they found out that you were selling just like a small time town oh, no. artist. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. There's, there, there's no rules against that. It's just a question of of selling. Like I wouldn't be able to afford to buy the comics from these guys, but if they right. wanted to to bring them in and and let me put them on the shelf as like a consignment type thing. Right, and that's something that would work, oh, okay. but yeah, it's 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 tricky because there's a lot of people. You know, they they're trying to break in, but they don't, you know, don't necessarily realize all the money it takes. You know, they'll do right. a Kickstarter or whatever. But like I said, a lot of the stuff now is being done digitally. Um, it's, yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I even speak to authors that that do a lot of like books, and honestly, they're doing everything digital because it's cheaper that mm. way. Right. So, again, the the digital thing is kind of cutting out the comic book store. So right. even when it comes to new artists and new creators, new new uh, underground teams. Jay, were you going to say something? Oh no, I mean, I just yeah, I mean, just kind of agreeing with with really what they're saying there is you know I see some of these at some of the smaller cons like uh, Garden State. Sometimes at East Coast uh, Comic Con, you'll see some of these independent guys rent tables and, and just try to sell their stuff. But really, other than that, that's, that's really about the only place I see them. Uh, you know, I don't see it at Main Street. Uh, you know, I don't know where Diana goes in Boston, but, you know, she doesn't really see it there. So I guess, you know, Instagram, the digital age, you know, they're, they're producing it out there because, you know, you think about it. We're right now doing a podcast on a free app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, That's very true. Apps, programs, things like that for 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 publishing books, comic books, and you know, like Matt says, kind of cutting out places like his. But I think what's missing, what people don't understand, is is the big social aspect of it. Is and I'm sure Matt, you do this too. When we go into Main Street, especially when Diana is home from college, and we go in there. You know, they talk with her, you know, right. they, if there's two or three people in there, they try to get a conversation going about their love for comics and they know their clientele, you know, Diana doesn't even have to message them anymore. They know what to hold for her. 
Oh, yeah. And they know what to recommend for her. And if there's somebody in the store that has a similar interest to her, they try to get a conversation going. And I think that's what people really have to realize. That's why a local comic book store is really important. In my day, it was really important because sort of these big mall comic book places were putting out the big two. They were putting out image, but a lot of sort of indie stuff or offshoots like milestone or young animal like main street had it like they if they could get their hands on it and they knew people wanted to read it they would put it out there and you know i said this when i did my podcast on milestone if it wasn't for main street comics i never would have been introduced to static to blood syndicate to icon and you know those are characters that now are kind of getting a resurgence because dc did own them but if it wasn't for my local comic book store you know, I would just be discovering them now. Well, you know, if you go into Matt's store, he never shuts up. So yeah. you're in good but that's great. But that's great because, you know what, in, in my day, talking comic books got you a butt whipping. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't sit there at, at, at the lunch table and talk about comic books. I went to my friend's house. We would talk about it there. You have a place where you could do that now. You yes. have your comic book store where you could have these conversations and meet people that are just as passionate, and I think that's really what people need to realize. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll speak first, first handly on, on Matt's store with, with me going in and well, not Jason being ever like. Up either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quiet for now on. After this one, I'll just shut up. No, I'm kidding. I won't. So, but when uh, when I go into when I go into Matt's store, I mean, him and I will stand there and talk and talk about anything from just comics to just life stuff, and and. When other customers come in, we, we don't stop talking. We try to involve them. And if I walk in and he's talking to somebody, which I've met a few people in there already, the, he he involves me in the conversation. He doesn't exclude anybody from a conversation. He's like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And and just like you're saying about holding holding stuff for your daughter and 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 uh, knowing what their, her pull list is and what she might like, Matt does the same thing. And I I, I really like that aspect of it because it's it's. It's a more hometown feeling and not the big industry feeling of you're a number, you're a box, you walk in and you're hoping they, they saved it because it's not on the shelf anymore because everybody came in and bought it. Right. I had well, to say, I, get back. You go first. I'm sorry. I was going to say just, just about the, the talking and, and going to a place uh, where you can talk to other people. Honestly, a lot of us, you know, comic book fans, comic nerds growing up, you know, we had social phobia of one form or another. Because it was it was frowned upon. It was you know it wasn't right. a cool thing to collect. Yeah. And so you know we, we were kind of you know we, we hid that we were in the closet. We didn't want to come out. And now <laughs> that it, that it's not only accepted but it's considered cool. Well, now but it, that that part's great that we're finally accepted. But we can't get the young people involved. So now we have to kind of do our own thing. And and I'm so glad to hear of other stores, you know, being social. And, and being, you know, centers, that, you know, where people can meet and hang out and talk. And again, that's what I said. That's why gaming took over for so many years, because nobody knew how to socialize in a comic book store other than just going in the back and, and doing the gaming. So now I think that we're getting more stores that realize, you know, we have to change these stores. We, we cannot use this this 80s uh, diagram of the same comic book store, you know, for the next 50 years. We have to change. And I think that was definitely one of my ideas, uh, you know, when I when I wanted my store, I would go in other stores 
and I would rate, you know, what was good and what was bad. And almost every store, you know, the, the negative was that there was very little talk. You know, there was very little uh, social aspect. So I, I think that's definitely needed in a lot of comic book stores in the future if they're going to survive. Like that, that's very important. And to add to that, I would say, you know, you need that social aspect, but you also need that diversity. Yes, uh, yes. We, we went to East Coast Comic Con, and there was a table there um, called Geeks Out, and I had no idea what it was. Diana was looking for, uh, she was looking for an artist, like kind of waiting for, for him to, to show up to sign some of her issues. And I walked over, and the person behind the table was very pleasant, and I just said, very stupid question what is your table all about? And, you know, she said, oh, you know, we're an LGBTQ sort of geek club. And because we were very underrepresented at cons and she told me about flame con. And that's the thing is we went to that in August and it was tremendous. I mean, it was at the, I forget which hotel it was in one of the big hotels right off of Times square I mean, the line was around the block. Um, oh. it, it was just really, but the big thing was it was so diverse. I mean, yeah. they had some of the main writers and artists there. James Tinney and the fourth was there who, aside from Magdalene Visaggio, that's the other writer that my daughter wanted to meet to just basically say, because of you, I read Batman for two years. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, there were so many different types of comics and stories and art there and I think that, you know, like you said, what was great for us in the 80s, this is not going to work anymore. If you right. want to get a younger crowd, you got to see what they're into because they're into a very diverse field of, I don't know, likes and, and dislikes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, comics and the comic culture has to really start appealing to that to kind of capture that audience again. So, guys, we've talked so much about comic books, the comic world. We could probably go on for hours. But I'm pretty sure some of you guys, your wives want to, want to talk to you. <laughs> Mine doesn't want to talk to me. She's not home. But um, so we have to do this Lucky. again. I, I think this is a great start and where we want to go with the comic books and the comic world and the comic store. And I really appreciate, Matt, you uh, joining us today. Um, you want to Thank kind you. of tell, give us some, uh, why don't you plug yourself for us, where we can find you and um, all that fun stuff. Uh, I run Kirby Comics. Um, I'm located at 398 York Street, Suite 11 in Hanover, PA. Um, I'm open till 11 at night. I'm off Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm the only worker there, and I have to bag and board all of my books. So it takes some time. Quality takes time. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, Instagram's the best way. Um, I'm at Kirby Comics Store on Instagram. And then on Facebook, I'm under just Kirby Comics. I'm always willing to take calls on my business phone uh, when, when I'm in the store, um, and that's 717-668-4709. And you may be appearing at a York Comic Con, possibly? Yeah, yes, doing the White Rose Comic Con, uh, March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at the York Fairgrounds. And Jason and I will both be there. Um, yes, very maybe excited. A, maybe a conversation uh, with Jay and Pete live possibility there we'll see that what's going on awesome. um, so make sure you go see uh make sure you go see matt uh jason you have any plugs for us no 
God's real. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're wonderful. You're a big help. Thank you. I know I am. You're a big help. How about- I don't really have any plugs. I, I mean, this is about this is about Matt and, and talking about the uh, the comic book industry. So I I really don't have any plugs. I just I'm just appreciative just that, that he was he could come on to me. Yeah, <laughs> you you better watch it. <laughs> I shaved all, I shaved mine off, so it doesn't matter. Um, all three, all, all three of them. Yeah, <laughs> I kept them in my face. So anyway, what I will say for us, for Jason and myself, uh, make sure you check out conversations with Jason and Pete. We're on Instagram by the same name. You can find us just like you can find all of our other podcasts on um, Anchor, uh, iTunes, all that fun stuff. I will post on both. Enter the nerd zone and and conversations with Pete. I have pictures of Matt's store, and there'll be more more contact. And uh, Jason Jay um, will also yes. post some pictures for us. And Jay, Absolutely. where can they find us? <laughs> Alrighty. Well, you know, like Pete said, uh, he and I do a show called Enter the Nerd Zone. Uh, we actually had an episode where Matt was on talking about his professional wrestling career. That's one of my favorite episodes, uh, just because. Pete and I can talk wrestling just like we've been talking comics all night. Pete and I can talk wrestling all night. Um, and Matt's coming back yeah. to us soon. Yes, yes. Soon as I get, soon as I get this convention uh, underway. <laughs> after after that, I'll, I'm with you. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So enter the nerd zone. It is on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook, and you can find us on uh, Anchor, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Overcast, all those great places. Also, I'm just going to throw in there, please check out brothersinarmchairs.com. That links you to all the podcasts in the Brothers in Armchairs network. Uh, Enter the Nerd Zone, Fat Guys in Little Coats, Defender of the Realm, stuff you don't need to know. I think that's about it. Yeah, and of course, Main Street Comics out in uh, Milltown, New Jersey. Milltown, New Jersey. Make sure you're hitting those guys. Make sure you're checking out, speaking of gaming, uh, Geek United Cafe. They're on uh, Instagram too. Ellen and her crew, um, you know, they do a lot of gaming. Not like the typical gaming. It's not um, Dungeons and Dragons, but there's other things. So make sure you check her out and check out the Lag Bar if you're in California, Anaheim, California. Uh, my brother-in-law John would be happy to have you there. Just don't mention that I it told you about him. Um, so that's it, guys. Great simulcast, Jay. Same back yes, time. Sir. Same bad channel. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. We'll see you.